and welcome to another episode of G220 Radio. This is Ricky Gantz along with Mike Miller and the original Natty P. Uh, this is episode number 452. We're going to be talking about evangelism tonight and we're going to be getting into some helpful insights in how you can be more effective in your evangelism efforts, whether that be in just in getting out and handing out tracts or getting into one-on-one conversation, maybe some places that you can go, especially dealing with COVID-19 uh, happening here in 2020, the ways or places that you can go and still get involved in evangelism. And also, we're going to talk about some open-air preaching as well. Uh, before we get into that, before we introduce our guests, I'm going to go ahead and kick it over there to the original Natty P. Uh, brother, how we doing? I'm muted. That's how I'm doing. So, you know, uh, multi, multifarious are my emotions, but my frame is sound. So things are going well. Yeah. Let, let me ask you real quick before we go over there and see how Mike's doing. Can you remember the first time or the first either the open air preaching or handing out a track or getting into a conversation that, uh, you know, kind of caught you off guard or, or maybe that first experience uh, of doing some evangelism like that? Uh, the first time I evangelized anyone properly or tried to was uh, I was at this Walmart and there was these people in suits that had uh, a little booklet that said, what does the Bible really teach? And I found out they were Jehovah's Witnesses and I started driving away and I was like, oh man, I should probably say something to them. So I went back and then I ended up having like three or four encounters with this Jehovah's Witness fellow. I didn't really know what I was in for. Um, now I realize uh, how much I don't know or didn't know then. And uh, so that was kind of crazy. And then uh, the first time I ever did open air evangelism, I learned how to pass out tracks. And that was really scary and humbling because um, I had never done something like that before. And it's not something that I'm natural at getting people to take something, but a lot of people did, and it was a good experience. And the first time I ever preached in the open air, I uh, went over Ephesians 2, 1 to 10 uh, loudly, which I had already been going over with my middle school students. So uh, it was exciting. All, all three types of uh, evangelism were exciting. And Mike, how we doing, brother? Doing okay. Been surviving. Having Jehovah Witnesses call my wife. So hopefully they'll come back over. They have not come over for two years now. Afraid I've been blacklisted. Did You, you didn't share the, the G220 radio series that you did on Jehovah Witness with them, did you? No, I didn't. <laughs> uh, as far as I know, they didn't know I was doing it. But... I had a lot of good conversations and the heresies abounded mm-hmm. and which is why you should watch the GG20 radio Jehovah Witness series so that you can see all the heresies in their full glory. Yeah. Well, Mike, like I asked uh, Nathaniel there, I know you uh, have been out on the streets and, and engaged in handing out tracks and getting into conversations with people. Maybe can you share an experience of maybe either your first time or, or uh, the, the nervousness maybe of it or just, you know, uh, something that stood out to you in those experiences that you had. So, yeah, so I've never opened air preach. I've not, um, have not done that. Um, 
and a lot of it, I prefer the one-to-one. So my first time going out, I went to the city center of Mildenhall, England, and the Suffolk area. Um, no one knows, probably never heard of it, um, but George Alvarado invited me to go. And so that was my first experience. Um, some of my best experiences were in Cambridge with George, with um, a theoretical physicist who would challenge George, would make sure to find him every Saturday morning, and really just shaped a lot of how of my apologetics. Because um, he he had questions and he questioned a lot of things and with it. And so, yeah, it was nervous. First time handing a track, first time actually engaging with people, especially being an American in England. Um, there is already kind of this distrust during that time. Um, but then um, came back to the States, went to Liberty, was a Calvinist in an evangelism class. And none of the Armenians asked other people to go evangelizing, except for, I mean, the only one was me, which is kind of weird because Calvinists don't evangelize, or so they say. Right, right. Well, amen, brother, to that. Uh, my first time uh, open-air preaching was at the Kentucky Derby, and I don't know if it was eight years ago. Uh, I'm kind of confused with the whole 2020 thing, but I don't know if it was like eight years ago or seven years ago. Um, but uh, I was out there, and I was on a team, and every time they'd come around and say, you ready to get back up there? Are you ready to get up there? I'd say, next time, next time, let me uh, you know, uh, kind of – get this in my mind about getting up here and doing this. And then I got up there uh, to evangel or to open air and the clip I've got it up on G220 uh, ministries page, but it's like, it's like about five minutes long. I felt like I was up there forever. Like I was so so nervous, you know, doing this. And, um, but the Lord allowed me to get, or, you know, gave me the, the, the grace to get through it. And, you know, uh, just from that point on, I just continued to want to get out and share the gospel that way. And as well as handing out tracks and engaging in one-to-one conversations. Uh, and as Mike said, one of the greatest things in that is uh, it causes you to get back into the word and study out things because people challenge you. And when they challenge you, sometimes you just don't know the answers. Um, and so that's one of the great things about evangelism. I think it causes us to to dig in and, and study things that maybe we weren't prepared for or didn't even know ourselves. So hopefully we'll, we'll learn some more about that here tonight on the program. This is episode number 452. We're going to talk about evangelism. Like I said, uh, this should be some helpful insights to, with you, for you. Uh, and we have with us Pastor Jamie Terry. Jamie, how are we doing, brother? I'm doing very well, brother. Much better than I deserve. Yeah, I'm glad to have you on the program with us. Uh, this is Jamie's uh, second time, I believe, on the program, and uh, so we're glad to have him back. And then we have also Adam Cutshaw, uh, another brother that uh, I've been able to minister with out at the Derby, and so we're we're glad to have you on as well. Adam, how you doing? Hey, brother. I'm, did you say my name? You you froze up there for about two solid minutes, so I mi- I missed about all the introduction. If that's what you're doing, okay. Yeah, I'm just saying, how are you, man? How you doing, brother? <laughs> I'm good. It's, you sound like a, a transformer or something when you're talking there, so I don't know if it's on my end or yours. I'm well tonight. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. Now, as I said, both of these brothers here, I, I've uh, met them 
at the Derby, like physically met them. Um, and uh, just two good brothers that I've, I've been able to, to see how they preach and to, to learn things from them in the way that they go about their open air and the way that they interact with people. And so uh, we thought this would be a good show for, for you to hear tonight, the listeners, to kind of engage in how to uh, get out and do some evangelism. Before we do that, I want to go ahead and, and give both of these men opportunity to share a little bit about themselves and also share like what me, Mike, and, and Nathaniel did is a little bit about maybe their first time or a couple times or an experience when they were getting started that really stands out to them even to this day. And we'll, we'll start with Pastor uh, uh, Jamie over here. Yeah, thank you, Ricky. Uh, well, I'm a pastor of Christ as King Baptist Church here in uh, Syracuse, New York. I've been here since December, basically. My family and I moved a long ways from Nashville, Tennessee, all the way up to Syracuse. Uh, it's a lot colder here, that's for sure. Uh, Ricky, I'm not too, too far from you, so I guess you probably know what it's like to have some cold weather. Um, but yeah, I was converted at 19 years old. I lived my life as a false convert for many, many years, went to church, um, you know, said I love Jesus. I accepted Christ into my heart. I didn't want to go to hell. Who does? And then I heard Paul Marshall's shocking youth message online, and it was radical for me. Uh, I never heard uh, any yeah, the notion that you could be a professing Christian and yet not be saved was just completely foreign to me. And uh, the way Paul Washer expounded the gospel was just glorious. Uh, I saw the glory of Jesus for the first time in my life. And the Lord changed my heart, drew me to himself. And immediately after that, I was very zealous for evangelism. Uh, but I was, like many men, very scared to do it. And so I would watch Ray Comfort videos and see these guys out doing it. And I would play conversations out in my head. But I was very, very scared. And I remember one time trying to hand a track out to somebody and I about had a heart attack and, and choked up in the middle of the uh, tract exchange. Uh, so that didn't go well. But uh, so finally I met John Coble. Uh, I'm sure some of you guys know him. And uh, he was already open to preaching some. He got me out there in December of 2013. Uh, I'd gone out a few times with him, but never preached. And I was real scared to do it. But I finally got up. And uh, once I started preaching, John couldn't get me down. So uh, and then he started calling me a box hog after that. So it started there. The Lord uh, began to impress on my heart to call to pastoral ministry around 2016 or so. Went back to seminary in 2018, got a diploma of pastoral studies from Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary, fantastic seminary. And I graduated in uh, 2020 this year. And uh, the Lord has opened this door. And so uh, well, that's that's currently what we're doing, shepherding the flock here and, and reaching out to the community with the gospel. Yeah. And praise the Lord for that uh, wonderful testimony and, and some encouragement to you to see that e even here, Jamie is a pastor, and when even when he got started doing this, there's that fear. We, we all have those fears, and uh, you know the Lord gives us that courage to overcome those things, and so uh, praise the Lord when he does. Uh, Adam, brother, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself as well and you know an experience share some of the experiences maybe you getting started in evangelism maybe some of the things you you engaged with i was brought up in a fundamentalist home and so the concept of door knocking and handing out tracks and um it wasn't a foreign concept to me it wasn't foreign term terminology uh many of them are very very zealous uh but as Jamie said, also a false convert for many, many years, looked apart, talked apart. My heart was far from God. Uh, and so the Lord converted me uh, sometime in college, um, around 20 years old, 21 years old, um, grew up in church, served in church, you know, in minor capacities. 
And uh, I was just under, there's about two or three years of just misery, just uh, brokenness, just, uh, you know, I came, I came to the point as I was convinced I was a sinner. I was convinced that I deserved hell. I was convinced there was the God, but I didn't know what else to do. I didn't know how to be reconciled to him uh, and was converted alone after uh, I'd, I'd read, I'd studied. I, you know, I thought if I can convince myself God's real, I, you know, I, I'd done everything you could think of. And uh, the Lord changed my heart one morning. I was uh, working a security gig. I was all by myself. The Lord just saved me there. I called out to him. He saved me. Uh, and immediately I knew I've got to tell other people like, this is real. Uh, I've, I've got to share this good news. I didn't know what capacity. Um, and I, I, I just was praying, Lord, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. If you want me to work in a factory and just tell everybody, I'll tell everybody. If you want me to be a cop, uh, which I was for seven years, uh, Lord, I'll do it on the streets. If, if you, I don't know anything about street preaching, Lord, but I, I see some of these guys online. If, if that's what you want me to do, I'll trust you'll provide. I didn't know what I was to do. And um, so we just really entered a season of prayer and was in a local church and uh, submitted to those guys and, um, they slowly would entrust me more positions, teaching. And, uh, you know, there was a, there was an elder in training elder track type thing that they, uh, began to take me through and shepherd me through. And, and I've, I've always loved to read. So I was reading so much and watching so much. And, uh, my wife's originally from Kentucky and, uh, we, we have some friends, uh, who, uh, own a business in the Nashville area, but, that will take their clients to these UT University of Tennessee football games. UT football is a big thing down here. And um, I went once when I was a kid. We, we just didn't go, just, you know, didn't have money. We didn't drive over there. It was not our thing. Uh, but my wife had never been to a UT football game. And a friend of mine said, hey, man, we got these extra tickets. We take clients out all the time. If you want some tickets, you know, take your wife. And so I thought, okay, I'll, I'll take her. I haven't been since I was a kid. We'll, we'll make it a date. And so I go to this UT football game, and it's starting to rain. And so we – all the, all the, you know, folks on campus are like hiding, you know, under trees and under bridges and stuff to little foot bridges to get out of the rain. And so we go under this bridge and there's this, this crazy guy he's standing up on this uh, like road construction barrier in the rain with his Bible in his hand. And he's just preaching the gospel. And so somewhat newly converted, uh, studying, reading all the time, like, you know, just ready to point out any false teaching there is, you know, and I'm listening to this guy. I'm like, that's true. That, that's true. Oh, that's true. Like I couldn't, I was like, this guy's preaching the truth. Who is this? Who does this? You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I knew about knocking on doors and one-on-one and gospel tracks, but who stands on the street corner? And as a guy by the name of Nick, afterwards he got done preaching, I was just encouraged. And um, we, we may have swapped numbers. I can't remember. We just went our separate way. It took me a lot of the game. So later, fast forward, I'm at G3 conference one year. Uh, just go by myself. Don't know anybody. Just show up. I think we had money for one ticket. So my wife stayed in the hotel and I went to the G3 every day and came, came back to the hotel at night. Didn't know a soul. And, uh, and I'm in the back. This is back when G3 was held at, at, at the actual church facility, the church building. And I'm walking through all these vendors and I look and I'm like, that's that street preacher. And so he was with Bill Adams, the SFOI. And, and I'm like, are you Nick? And he's like, are you Adam? I was like, dude, I seen you like two years ago in Knoxville. You're that crazy street preacher, you know? And I'm, all I can guess is that he had me sign uh, like the little email, get updates, you know, I, I assume that's how they got my information. I'll sign it. I'm on patrol one night in my police car and I get an email and it's like, you know, it's this, these mass emails, nothing wrong with those. So that's what it was. And it was like, we want you to preach to a hundred thousand, you know, fans at Nashville or whatever it was, you know? And, and I was like, 
they want me, you know? And so I'm like, oh man, like I should go. They, they want me to preach. <laughs> and so uh, and by that time I was preaching at a few little small churches, you know, and, and uh, was just honored to, to encourage the church. And so I send them this big email like, hey, I'm not sure if I'll be able to go. I can't get off work. You know, this is just a mass email. And, uh, and so in the email, I'll say, the next time you have an event, if I have a heads up, I will go. Like, I just commit. And uh, I'm sure Bill, whoever gets his emails, are like, who's this guy? You know. And uh, anyway, another email, you know, 90 days later, whatever comes out. And it's like, NHL All-Star Weekend will be in Nashville. And I was like, uh, I don't have an excuse now. Like, I told these people I'll go. This is an hour from where I live. I'll do it. And so show up, and I think that's where I met Jamie originally, was downtown Nashville, which he had been ministering down there for quite some time with Coble and Rice and some of the other uh, Reisner, some other faithful men down there. And, um, you know, I was just like, okay, I'll just, I'll just follow their lead. And uh, we, we get down there, we carry all of our stuff, and there's a big section of homeless, and I'm just like, all right, one-on-one -on -one evangelism. So I just go to the first homeless guy, man, just start sharing the gospel. And then they look over at me. They're like, it's your turn on the box. Get up on the box. Um, I'm, I'm not a long preacher. I'm, uh, I, I'm, I usually say what needs to be said. At least I think so. And then on to the next guy. I like those long preachers. It gives me a break. Uh, but I'm sure it was like you said, man, it seems like it's forever. And, you know, it's probably like four minutes. And they're probably like, wow, man, I got to get back up here. Uh, but they're encouraging and, and, uh, made a lot of friendships and have just learned a lot through the years. And that's just what it takes. It's just getting up there and doing it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just getting up there, that experience of, of getting on that box for the first time, really, um, you really don't know if, it, if, if open, if, if you have this desire to want to do it, you really don't know if it's, if it's something that you're called to do, unless you get up on that box and try it. Um, so let's kind of start in the beginning then with this. Let's talk about how somebody who may be having those desires to get out and do some evangelism. You, got, you, you guys both been to Sports Fan Outreach International events, um, maybe even another plug for them. You know, people can look into that and trying to get out. And, and as you guys said, and you guys all, all been a part of and know, uh, there's usually like I've only been to the Derby. I know Nathaniel's been to the Super Bowl uh, and there's usually about 30 to 40 guys, at least at the Derby, you know, somewhere in between there. And so you've got all these guys to learn from. So let's kind of start there, you know, where when somebody's getting started, what are some things that they can do to get in into it? Like maybe places to get tracks or just ways to get involved in those conversations, ways to kind of overcome that fear. Uh, Pastor Jamie. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, number one, it's helpful to be a part of a good local church uh, where you have pastors, godly men Amen. Uh, who are committed, hopefully committed to evangelism. Unfortunately, as we know in our culture, that's uh, pretty rare, uh, which is definitely a desire of mine is to see more godly, open-air preachers raised up, trained, and, and equipped to plant churches so that there's more solid reformed churches with pastors who are committed to that. But So it's helpful if you're in a good local church where you have support. Um, Get connected with Sports Fan Outreach, Bill Adams, uh, and, and more than likely there are guys somewhere near you that you could connect with, even if it's an hour or so away that are already engaged in doing it. And so it, for me, having someone with you that first time makes it a lot easier. Um, but, uh, you know, having people with you in a part of a good local church and then just getting out and doing it the first time, you know, until you there, it's just there's this huge barrier until you finally get up and do it. It's a terrifying experience. You don't even know what it's like until you finally get up. But when you finally get up and you preach, you realize it really wasn't as hard and as scary as you thought it might be. Uh, and so from there, it gets a lot easier. So 
have a guy have a guy with you uh, connect to sports and outreach and try to find a good solid church with elders who are uh, biblical preachers and committed to biblical evangelism. Yeah. And, and Adam, if there's anything you would want to add to that, but also if you could maybe then talk about some tracks and some ways to go about like either maybe some good places to get tracks or, or certain types of, tra- like I know sometimes people have different ideas of, of whether a track is uh, uh, what's the word um, pragmatic or things like that. Maybe if you can give some, some insight on that. So anything you want to add maybe to what Jamie said or, and then talk a little bit about tracks. Yeah, Bill Adams at sports fan outreach international SFOI.org. Uh, I call Bill a bridge builder, man. He just connects people. Uh, and so, uh, even if you don't want to do an event like that, if you call Bill or email him and you're like, Hey, I live in this state, in this area, I'm looking for some guys to learn from, or that go out and do it. Bill will get, Bill will get you the information. Who's close. He, he's just, he's just got a wide array. He's got a huge connection. Um, and as, as far as tracks, uh, what I've even done before, not that my tracks are better or anything like that. When I was pastoring the church. We'd have a church invitation on one side, and we would just go to um, Vista Print or one of these like mass produce, get bazillions for nine dollars or whatever, and we we would write our own gospel message on the back. Um, and so we would just have those printed off mass produce, and it was real easy. If you were in you know your area of your local church, it was a church invitation on one side, it was it was a gospel message on the back side. Um, so I enjoyed that. It was a little more custom. You could even put the pastor's name or some church information on that. So there was still that follow-up, you know, if you're leaving them at gas stations or leaving them with waitresses or drive-thrus or whatever, there's that, you know, well, this is a wonderful message, but what do I do now? How do I follow up? How do I get a stop? How do I get in touch with somebody? Uh, so there's options like that. Of course, uh, you know, yeah, you're right. You, there's some, some folks who are really upset about certain tracks, you know, um, you know, living waters has some stuff. Um, oftentimes when Bill, what I like about Bill is you go, you do an outreach with him and Bill sends you home with 500 tracks. You know, he's just like, take them, take them, take them, you know? Uh, and so uh, there's, there's another guy that uh, we get a lot from. It's a German word. I think it starts with a B. I don't know how to pronounce it, but he would, he would just, yeah, there you go. That guy would mail a lot. I, I don't know much about that ministry, but uh, he had, he had some really applicable ones, kind of whatever's going on at the time. Uh, th- those were neat. Um, and, and really like those, but as far as fearful of, of street preaching, I get that. I, I don't know that I've ever not been afraid. Uh, and so maybe some other guys are just more sanctified than me or uh, don't admit it. I don't know, but it, it is always for me, it's crucifying the flesh. Um, and so I, 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 you know, there's, <laughs> it's like what I tell people is like, I, I hate going to the abortion clinic. I'll just be honest. I don't, I, I have no one, one side of me has no desire one, I hate that we even have to do it. Like what, that, that, that exists. Second of all, man, it's just crucifying the flesh. You know, it, it takes time. It takes money. You know, you have to make plans for it. You have to get out of bed. You have to be away from your family. Uh, so there's just some of those just day-to-day things that are difficult to overcome. And then there's just the flesh, you know, what, what if I misspeak? What if I stumble over my words? What if, uh, if someone that I know sees me, what if uh, someone tries to stump me with a question? What is other people going to think of me? Um, and so for me, it's always been a practice of just crucifying that flesh. Um, you know, and I, I, I've heard people that say they struggle with that. And then others, man, it just seems like they're just like go-getters. They're gifted with that. Uh, so for me, it's always like I have, I have to be intentional about it uh, or I'll chicken out. But if, if you're not quite ready to get on the box, um, tracks, I really think that's a good place to go. Uh, 
distribute those tracks, you know, distribute them anonymously. If it's at gas pumps and things like that, work your courage up to you're handing them to people. And then, um, you know, some folks I've seen are not ready to just give a gospel message in the open air. So if you just read scripture, uh, just mm-hmm. say, Hey, I'm going to read this Psalm or, Hey, I'm going to read, you know, John one through John chapter four and, and, you know, break that sound barrier, proclaim the word of God. Um, and, you know, as you're doing that, you're like, Oh, I should say this, or I, I should expound on this, or I should give commentary on this verse. Uh, and so uh, I think it's, uh, I think there's kind of a progression uh, there uh, that would, that would break that. But with the whole intention of, I am going to get there. I am going to proclaim uh, the good news. Yeah. Amen. A couple things came to mind as you were saying that, you know, so many times when I was heading out to Cleveland to go and evangelize, I would try to talk myself out of it, especially if I was going by myself. Like I'm, I'm in the car and I'm thinking of all these things that I could be doing. Like, you know, I could go home and I could read and study a little bit more. Maybe we got a show coming up. I can get into that topic a little bit more. Uh, or I could just do things with the family. And, and, and there was always these thoughts in my head that you're going by yourself. You know, you, you, could, you could turn around and do something, you know, more productive at home. Um, but every time that I pressed through and went down there, I was blessed afterwards, either there was oh, conversations amen. or, you know, and I just, I, I remember like after the fact of, of going down and evangelizing, how, how refreshed I felt, how encouraged I was and just blessed by the Lord in that. Um, <clears throat> another thing with, uh, gospel tracts, as you mentioned, you know, leaving them places, you know, it was definitely how I got started just doing evangelism with, uh, you know, when I got saved, I was like, Jamie, I was telling people about Christ and my family. I had zeal without knowledge. I, 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 if I could go back and change some of those conversations that I had with family members, I would. But, uh, but when it came to handing out tracks, I was just leaving them on benches. I was leaving them in the bathroom. I probably wouldn't leave them in a bathroom now, but I was leaving them, you know, not in a stall maybe, but in, in maybe on a sink or something. But uh, I was leaving them in places just so people could pick them up, you know. And um, I remember even getting in an elevator and, and putting one of those million-dollar bill tracks up on this little area where it could sit. And I just set it there, and I set back, I got back in the elevator, and somebody walked in. And I was like, oh, they didn't see me put it there. And they picked it up, <laughs> and I'm watching them read it, you know. And I'm like, I didn't engage with them. I was just like, I don't know what to say, you know. But it was, it was exciting. Uh, but yeah, definitely, uh, um, tracks are a great, uh, great way of getting the gospel out and getting started. Like you said, you know, just leaving them places and whatnot. Uh, Jamie, as we continue to talk about, um, some ways of getting started and, and, and getting out there, what do you do maybe then when you have other guys or, or what should I say? Or I should say, what do you do to maybe get others encouraged to come with you? What are some ways of doing that? Cause I know, uh, from experience, I've seen, other brothers and even, you know, from my own failures at times where you get this a lot of zeal, a lot of, you know, desire to want to get out there. And sometimes you can be a little pushy with other brothers uh, to try to get out there that maybe just aren't ready to do that. Or maybe they don't feel called to go and preach on the streets. So what are some ways that we can, uh, as Christians who are getting started in this, get other brothers encouraged to get out there with us? That's a good question. I think uh, I heard Adam say this one time, an invite to everybody is an invite to nobody. So, mm. you know, given specific invites, uh, you know, ask men in your church, hey, you know, I do some outreach. Would you be interested in joining me? Uh, give them opportunities to do that. Uh, one, one dear friend of mine back in Tennessee and God's providence, we uh, sat next to each other two weeks in a row in church. And then he just started to talk with me about what I do. And of course, at that time, I did do evangelism uh, part time. So that was an easy uh kind of transition for me to invite him out and he said he was interested and so 
he came out now that guy does open up preaching you know very frequently and in fact he just uh, helped put on a evangelism conference in uh in tennessee just a few weeks ago so so inviting people um encouraging people if you get teaching opportunities in your local church teach on evangelism um but i think personal invites are the best way to get other people involved in doing evangelism yeah adam anything you would add to that yeah point blank jane Jamie's, you know, he said it, an invitation to, to, to everyone's invitation to no one. So, you know, it's that, Hey man, will you go with me? Uh, you don't have to speak. If you just stand there and pray, or if you just watch my back or, um, you know, mm-hmm. will you just ride and see what I do, will you pray for me. Um, and so, you know, some of the guys here local have seen what I do. Um, you know, at times I'll put it online. It's definitely not every time I don't believe, <laughs> but, um, they see it, they know it at least. And, uh, when, when we're hanging out or they're, you know, at a church picnic or whatever, they're at the house, you know, they'll say, man, I, I can never do that. And, uh, I'm like, believe me, I, there, there's days I don't want to do that. Uh, but it's not me. And then I'll usually say, Hey, you want to go? You know, it's like, it's like, I, there's at least been two or three, I guess. I, I know one particular recently that was like, I can never do that. And I was like, Hey man, you want to go with me? Like within 20 minutes of him saying that. And he was like, okay, I'll go. And uh, he's been he's been two maybe three times with me, and he works. You know, he works a lot, and I go Tuesday during the day to the abortion clinic, and uh, and so yeah, it's just like they think they can't, but when that door is like, hey man, I'll, I'll show you, I'll take you. You don't have to say anything. You can just learn. You can just pray. Like, will you go for me? Um, and oftentimes they're like, yeah, man, I, I will. I'll go. I'll go. Uh, and I think it's good too because everyone has this mental image of what you do down there or on the streets and whether that's the Westboro type that comes to mind, or it's maybe a bad experience they've had or whatever it is, they think they know what you do. Uh, and when you're like, Hey man, come with me. And then, uh, they've always left with a good, good taste in their mouth. Like I, I see what they do. This makes sense. I see the big picture. I see their approach. I see their attitude. I see their follow through. Uh, and so it's been good for me to just ask specifically. And, and following with that, that line of thought of the, the fact that when many people, they go online or they happen to be downtown in some area and they see street preachers out there, unfortunately, uh, we've all run into them. Uh, you, you run into these Pelagian, angry street screamers or, you know, they're, they're not really preaching the true gospel. They're, they're, they're all, most always followed by heresy with, with what they're preaching. Um, and this is the example that many people see. And so they think, as you said, that, well, I don't want to be a part of that. So how do you then, and we'll, we'll, we'll follow with you, Adam, and then go over to Jamie to, to get his thoughts on this too. How do you, let's say, get a pastor behind getting you to be, or getting behind you to go out and street preach when they may have that idea in their head? Yeah, what I've found to be effective is, is I'll give them some historical guys. You know, everybody wants to quote Whitfield or, you know, uh, everybody wants to quote Spurgeon or, and you give them just a few little quotes or you give them, you know, refresh their memory of, of uh, some of Whitfield's ministries and, uh, and, and guys like that. And, and at first they're like, well, oh, okay. Like there, there is kind of like a, the door's half open, like, okay, well you might have a point there. Uh, and then, and then I'll usually follow with, well, do we see Jesus preaching outside? And uh, and then when, when they come to that realization, they're just kind of like, oh, 
oh, okay, the church has historically done this. We see examples of it in scripture. I, I don't, I don't know that I can say I'm against it. You know, they might not be like, oh, I'm sold or I'm convinced of this, but mm-hmm. uh, some church history and obviously most importantly, uh, some, some biblical basis for that. Uh, it seemed to, you know, to win them and to understand on the same side, on, on our side that, um, you know, we may not convince them overnight. Um, and, um, you know, there's so, so many at times that are, maybe overzealous. Oh, if this preacher don't go, then I'd leave that church. If he don't support this, you know, we all, we all didn't hold, you know, we weren't born believing street preaching was great. You know, we, we've come to this on our own, uh, by, by the grace of God and through, uh, you know, over time, gradually, uh, others, others investing in us and spending time in us, our eyes being open to us, reading us learning. Uh, and so, you know, I think patience goes a far way, especially when, with other pastors, um, you know, maybe they're evangelistic in other ways that we're not mm-hmm. uh, and burdened and gifted in other ways we're not. And so, um, you know, I, th- I think the I think the body is very diverse. Uh, at the same time, it's, it's not an excuse for them not to evangelize. Uh, but I think I think grace goes a long way. Yeah, that's definitely something uh, that I had to learn. Uh, a lot of times you do something that uh, other people think are exciting, like uh, telling people about Jesus in public. And then you get to thinking you're something else and uh, like little Jack Horner sitting in the corner pulling out a plum and whatnot. Um, but then, then I think there comes a, a moment with Christian maturity where you realize that, like you said, the, the body's diverse and uh, there's other ways of evangelizing and other ways of serving uh, than just what's seen. Um, and I guess that some, sometimes uh, when, you, when you don't see a lot, knowing that uh, kind of helps with uh, the discouragement of maybe, maybe you're the, you're the guy that goes and, uh, and nobody else goes, but then you, uh, you knowing that helps overcome some of that discouragement. So what other kinds of things have you noticed as street preachers uh, that are discouraging other than sometimes you go alone or sometimes it's hard to get uh, the body to come along with you? And how would you overcome that, I guess? Yeah, we'll go to Jamie with that. Jamie, if there was anything you wanted to add about, uh, you know, getting pastors uh, encouraged and then what, what Nathaniel was was asking there. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, what, what Adam said was great. You know, patience, uh, Nathaniel, what he said as well, patience is important, you know, diversity in the body. Uh, you know, I, I, I personally think if your gift is preaching, that it makes sense for you to use that gift in evangelism and, and to be preaching outdoors, at least to some degree. Pastors are busy guys, though. You know, we understand they have to shepherd the flock. So the big problem to me is not when pastors aren't necessarily doing open air preaching, but when they're very opposed to it. Mm. Uh, but that's why we need grace and patience, though, because a lot of them have seen poor models. You know, Westboro Baptists, Pelagians, these guys out espousing heresy with anger. Uh, and so I think being patient, giving biblical arguments, uh, historical arguments, Virgin, Whitfield, you know, all the, the patristic age, Great Awakening, all the, all these ages, apostles, Jesus, the prophets. You know, it's open air preaching and public evangelism all throughout church history, redemptive history. Uh, so presenting those arguments in love and grace and patience, but, uh, you know, and modeling faithfulness yourself so that your pastor, invite your pastor. That's another good way. Invite your pastor. Say, hey, would you come watch me preach and, and tell me what you think? And that way he can see a biblical model or send him your videos if you do record so that he can see a good, faithful model of biblical loving evangelism. Uh, unfortunately, I've had very little success with getting 
my pastors to be supportive of opener preaching, but uh, patience is definitely key. And back to Nathaniel's question, I forgot the end of that question there. Uh, I was just wondering what other what so what other things require patience or uh, could uh, be discouraging as uh, we engage in open air ministry. Good question. Well, I think another discouraging thing is when you don't see visible fruit. Um, that, that's a problem I think a lot of people have. They get very discouraged with that. Um, for me, it's it's realizing that the kind of ministry you're doing in open air usually doesn't yield a lot of visible fruit only because you don't, you're, there's a lot of passerbys, tourists, people you might not ever see again. And so who knows how the word is working in their hearts in ways you never see it. Um, uh, one way I've overcome that is by going to some of the same places over and over again, though. So you meet some of the same people, you can follow up with them, disciple them and see some of the fruit. Uh, and so, you know, we have this uh, kind of this false dichotomy that's created today. Uh, it's it's we either need to do public open air evangelism or we need to build relationships when in reality it's both. We should preach the gospel publicly. But the end goal is hopefully we do form relationships and connections and can disciple and see fruit and train and equip others uh, to make disciples as well. So uh, going to the same places has been a help for, for me in that. So I think that's probably one of the biggest discouragements is a lack of visible fruit. And then just keeping in mind, you know, the prophets, you know, the Lord tells Jeremiah, no one's going to listen to you. At least I have a hope, right? So and Jeremiah was faithful. So the goal, of course, in outreach is faithfulness, not fruitfulness. We'll leave the fruit to the Lord. Yeah, the example of Jeremiah is one I've used with people a lot, of, a lot of times when they ask about visible fruit. I think that's important because I know I have been taught that like open air public evangelism in that way um, shouldn't be used because it is unfruitful um, with that as a strong you know case you see these people out there but what what comes about of it you don't know obviously like you said God knows the heart God's God's word does not return void it does what it's accomplished um, with that but kind of in a similar vein you hear people, they're like, well, good, you know, good for you going out, open air, preaching, doing one-to-one evangelism and whatnot. But I'm not called. Like, I don't have that gift of evangelism. How would you encourage them to to show that, well, you may not have this quote-unquote gift, even if it is a gift. I know you have that debate in it. But there is a sense in which we're called to evangelize. Adam, you want to take that? Yeah, we all all those that have been converted have been have been given the ministry of reconciliation and been given the message of reconciliation. Um, and so, yeah, I'm not going to say everyone's called to a street corner uh, for sure, but everyone's called to, to give a witness. Um, and so I would remind them of that. Um, and, and biblical truth has served me well in those dark times. Um, you know, he's worthy. He's worthy to be proclaimed. Whether, whether any believe, whether none believe, whether all believe, he, he's just worthy to be proclaimed. Um, so that that that's that's you know ground zero. That's the that's the foundation. He, he's just worthy to be proclaimed. Uh, we're, we're we're told to go. Uh, we're commanded to go. And so another another form is just is just mere obedience. This is this is 
this is what I'm told to do, so I'm going to do it. Always um, not another. I'm just the truth. Uh, maybe I'm planning today I'm one of a watering that's going to take 20 years to come to fruition. Um, but the Lord's going to use that. He's going to build on that block. It's going to be another layer, uh, you know, and then, you know, maybe make some people uncomfortable. But uh, the Lord also uses to harden them. Uh, and, 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 you know, he, he's he's made the wicked for the day of destruction. And um, and so it's it's either softening people or it's hardening people. But it's accomplishing what God has intended for it to accomplish. And so I'm just a tool in his hand uh, and, and I'm going to leave the saving business to him. Uh, but I'm commanded to go and he's just worthy of it. He's just worthy. Amen. Amen. You know, as we was talking there about the uh, being discouraged at times, maybe not seeing fruit, uh, I kind of want to use this to springboard into the next kind of question that was kind of alluded to. I mean, Adam, you kind of alluded to, you know, not always putting out when you're going out. Um, but I want to kind of talk about that a little bit as well as recording yourself when you do go out. Um, I used to put up online, I would put out there on, on social media, Facebook, whatever it was, uh, that we was, you know, when we had gone out and evangelized, there was a, an individual who was upset with, I didn't know it at the time, but he was upset with me because I was putting out these videos and in his mind, he's like, Oh, look at this, look at Ricky thinking he's holier than thou. He's going out there doing these things. Well, a little bit later on, his brother said he wanted to come out with me. Because he, he felt, as a Christian, maybe this is something we should do. So he came out with his brother. And then over time of them coming out, they both realized they were not believers and got saved. You know? Um, and so, again, sometimes you don't know what is going on in the hearts of these people. But that being said, recording our, our, our evangelistic outreaches or even putting it up every time we go out. Me personally, I don't always record everything. Sometimes I get out there with the intention that we're going to record it, mainly for security reasons, in case somebody comes up and says something we didn't do, you know, something we did that we didn't do. But a lot of times I forget to turn on my camera mm -hmm. um, because we're just, you're wrapped up in a conversation. I know one time we went down to Cleveland and this guy came up as soon as we was getting ready to start. And we ended up talking to this guy for an hour. I wasn't, and it just, it just kind of was a great conversation, but completely forgot to turn anything on from that point moving forward. So sometimes those happen, but uh, let's talk about, you know, not always necessarily putting things out there or uh, the, the recording everything uh, and, and maybe some ways of guarding because pride can become a, a problem or an issue. So uh, uh, Pastor uh, uh, Jamie, maybe we'll start with you and then we'll go over to Adam and get his thoughts on it as well. Yeah, I, mean, I think, uh, you know, one, one, I definitely am for people recording themselves and putting their opener outreach and evangelism on, on YouTube and Facebook and things like that. Um, you know, I started doing evangelism in large part because guys were doing that Ray comforts, YouTube ministry, Tony Miano. I learned so much about opener preaching from Tony Miano guys like that. Any, anyone who would object to that. And, and you understand why they object to that. You understand there's pride and, and you have to understand in your own heart that there's going to be pride. But you know, what about uh, pastors who, who put their sermons on sermon audio most people who would object to your YouTube open air preaching probably wouldn't object to pastors putting their sermons on uh, or, or even live streaming their services. But, you know, pastors, mm -hmm. I'm a pastor. I can speak from experience. Pastors can struggle with pride as well. Um, and so 
at the end of the day, we have to be conscious, conscious of our pride. We have to deal with it. We have to fight it. We have to spend much time in communion with the Lord. We have to confess and forsake our sin. Um, and, and if you're struggling badly with pride, then it's probably a good idea not to record your videos and maybe even step out of any kind of public ministry altogether. But, uh, you know, there are many good reasons if you're dealing with your sin to uh, put your videos on YouTube. You can People can learn from your, your YouTube videos. Uh, you have protection for yourself. You're at the clinic. Somebody falsely accuses you of hate speech. Boom, you've got a video of what you said. Uh, someone attacks you. You've got a video of what they did. Um, so there's many, many good reasons to record yourself. And uh, even though there are some reasons that would uh, cause you to be hesitant to do that, I think there are many, many more good reasons. I was converted through Paul Washer's shocking youth message online. Uh, who knows how the Lord uses our YouTube videos to to uh, multiply our ministerial impact for his glory. So I'm definitely out for that. Adam? I agree. Uh, I have no issue with it. Um, I see why others may. Uh, just to add a little bit, one for protection, man, there's just, there's just wicked people out there we see all the time. People's having acid poured on them. They're spray painted. Their stuff's broken. They're punched. They're having guns pulled on them. Um, you know, I, I think protection is great. Um, so I, that's one just, you know, practical reason. Um, and then, uh, two, man, I, I think a lot of those people that get upset with that are, they're convicted. Uh, you know, well, this guy's out here doing something, you know, I'm, I'm sitting home, you know, playing, you know, Monday morning quarterback here, armchair quarterback, you know, and it's, it, you know, well, well, this, this guy's doing something for the kingdom. What are you doing? You know? And so I think it, I think it pricks their conscience a little bit. Uh, and then, you know, I, you know, it's just a lot of guys that are full time or attempting to go full time in evangelism. You know, they're they're putting that on there, uh, or I think it's wise to put on there for those that 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 sponsor them or that give to their ministry because you know I don't I don't want to sponsor a guy that, you know, he gets a check for me every month, but he you know he's just sitting at home you know watching TV. You know, I'm 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 bearing this guy's burden so he can be boots on the ground. Uh, and so I think it's accountability. I think you're showing those that have invested in your ministry. Hey, man, I'm, I'm doing exactly what I told you I would do. I'm, I'm being faithful. I'm out here. I'm in the streets. I'm in the trenches. Uh, thank you for giving. You know, maybe maybe you can't go. Maybe you're not gifted to go. Maybe you don't have time to go. Maybe you're at work. But this money that you've given for this ministry, hey, I'm out here in the streets today. You might be at work, but, you know, you, we're partners in this. Uh, and so I think I think it, it shows those that uh, they're there and then pray for, them. you know, I see Bobby a lot, uh, saints need your prayers. Uh, and you know, there's oftentimes I don't like someone's post. I'm just in a hurry or I just, I just don't like it too lazy to click like whatever, but I pray for them when they ask for prayer. Uh, and so you don't know how many prayers you solicited uh, by a simple post and like anything, man. Yeah. Pride creeps in. It is easy to be crept, you know, for it to creep in, but <laughs> You know, whether it was for simple, selfish pride reasons or whether it was uh, for a practical reason or a challenging or an edifying reasons, the gospel goes forth. And so when you're posting that online, hey, somebody's hearing it, you know, and even if, even if you, you were preaching it for the wrong reason or you were wanting attention or whatever it may have been, someone's hearing it uh, and the gospel advances. And so, you know, I, I, I've never had an issue with that, uh, people posting uh, but I can see how it can leave a, a certain taste in your mouth or you could be turned off by it or, you know, it may be excessive just because you record it. Maybe you don't have to post all, you know, eight hours of it or whatever. Uh, but I think there's some practical, practical reasons to do that. Mm -hmm. Should you use, so, should someone use clickbait for their titles? Just saying, let's get that. 
No, I think another aspect, and I don't know, you know, being as one who doesn't do open air preaching, is learning how to answer questions from what people have. So there is, you're not only seeing people doing it, you know, what you've said in other ways. I think a reason why, and, you know, this goes with even biblical preaching, is it helps us to learn. Open air listen to someone in open air, communicate and talk to someone who has real questions, you know, whether they're using it for a prostate, uh, um, you know, as a pretense or, or whatever, but people do have those types of questions and they need those types of answers. And the, the rawness in open air preaching obviously can go bad. If the open air preaching sets a bad example, the open air preacher sets a bad example but you get that kind of answer because an open air preacher, an experienced one has probably received that question before. And I think there is that kind of training aspect when we think about, you know, an atheist walks up and tries to debate, you know, the theory of evolution and how there is no God because of it. Yeah, I would say I, I learned a lot from uh, Tony Miano. You know, what do I say when an atheist says this? I watch Tony Miano. And, oh, there's a good, there's a good response. And so, you, and, and not only just their response, but it starts to give you the right categories of thought, right hooks in your mind, so you begin to think the right way. Uh, and and so, yeah, that's definitely a, one of the main things I think is protection, as Adam said, and then equipping uh, are the two main purposes I think uh, that everyone that you should not be a, a completely opposed to recording your open air sermons. Well, also it was mentioned there, you know, by, I think you guys both that accountability um, that's there in that. And especially if you want to get your pastor involved, uh, maybe if he hasn't been out with you or is not really sure, you know, what's going on out there, but somewhat trust you that this is why I think like what you said in the beginning, Jamie, it's, it's good to be a church member. You should be a church mm-hmm. member. Uh, and, and, and in good standing so that when you are going out, the pastor knows you're not somebody who's just this, you know, um, unbiblical guy who's just living this crazy life. They at least know your character. And but it also gives them an opportunity to see what you're doing and saying out there, because honestly, if, if you're a pastor, um, whether it's for open air preaching or for just just encouraging and edifying your people to build them up. So that they can go and, and preach the gospel to others, whether like, again, like as I said, whether it's open air preaching or just in, engaging in one on one conversations, the pastor should be should be excited to have somebody who wants to learn. And so we as open air preachers, um, and, and both of you have pastored, so you guys can speak to this too. Uh, wouldn't it be encouraging to have a pastor come and say, "Hey, here's some ways you can improve." Because he may see something there and, and others may start to see that they're, hey, maybe this guy like, like Jamie then goes and becomes a pastor, fills his calling and do that. And so other people seeing that in your life and then, you know, kind of helping you along the way to, to get to where, you know, they, they feel the Lord is calling you to, to, uh, uh, to serve him. And so there's, there's that accountability there. There's that ability to, to help a brother or sister in your congregation to grow uh, if you're seeing those things. And even, even if they're not... Um, not saying anything necessarily heretical, but there's ways that they can improve. A pastor can see that and help those, those individuals. No. 
Yeah, that's good. I have a young man in our church right now. Uh, very actually just turned 18, very young man. And he's very zealous for the Lord. He comes out and does outreach with us. And what Adam mentioned uh, a little bit ago about having new people who have a desire to get involved in open air ministry, but of course they're fearful at first, have them read scripture. So easy, so simple compared to actually, because one of the things that we're afraid of is we don't know what to say. But if you're just reading, it's there, right? You just read it off the page. And then like Adam said, before you know it, they begin rattling off their own thoughts and get comfortable. So this young man's been going out. He started doing that. Now he's preaching, but just recently, you know, he said something, he's, he's getting better. You know, his theology is getting better. He said that's something that was not heretical, a little off. He's able to sit down with him afterwards and, and he sees that as an opportunity for growth. And so it, yeah, it's, it's a wonderful opportunity if the pastor at the very least uh, helps these men who feel called to preach, they, they can then come alongside of them uh, and, and help them grow in their calling and fulfill it in a way that's pleasing to the Lord. So very, very important for pastors to come alongside of open air preachers. Yeah, very encouraging. Um, that that individual that I said that came out uh, with us that was kind of upset about my videos and then he came out and got saved. He went with us to a uh, uh, Ohio State football game. We went down and met up with our good brother Michael Coglin down there in Ohio State, and we was out there preaching the gospel and we let him read scripture. This man read the entire book of John, the entire gospel. Um, and cause we just got wrapped up in handing out tracks with people. He got up there reading. He never said, Hey guys, I'm ready to get down or anything. He just read the entire book and we were just, cause we were engaging with people and we're like, wow, <laughs> this brother let, read the entire gospel of John. Uh, so it was really encouraging to see that, um, great way to get somebody up there. And, and again, to fill that out, uh, before we go, cause we're, we're, we're down to about the last five minutes of the program. I want to give you guys any, uh, time to maybe bring up anything maybe that I didn't bring up or one of the other guys didn't bring up that is on your mind that could be helpful. Uh, there is one thing like uh, I heard you, Adam, talk about ways of getting involved in the in the conference. Maybe you guys can share a link to that, that you guys just had this conference um, just recently um, so people can go watch that in its, in its entirety. But um, where maybe say if you're local, ways to evangelize in your local area, but then what about when you're going out of town? Uh, and how to maybe reach out to some of those pastors or people in that area is, is kind of where I'm going with with that, Adam. Yeah, Bill had uh, set up a good model for that. Uh, Bill Adams, Sports Fan Outreach, another plug for those guys. Um, and so oftentimes if, if there is this one-on-one -on -one dialogue, they want to know more, they want to be discipled, maybe you think they perhaps are converted then, click their information, excuse me, click their information, um, and you, you get, you know, emails, you know, everyone texts now or whatever. Um, and uh, you do your research. It's easy, you know, to find a find a solid church in, in that area. And you can either email them back, say, hey, man, this is a great church I'd point you to. Uh, if you know ahead of time that you're going to this area, um, I think it's really smart to reach out to a couple churches in the area and say, you know, hey, we're going to be in there. We're going to do, you know, mass evangelism. This is our, you know, statement of faith. You have anyone in the church that would like to come alongside us to help us to assist us? Uh, if not, could you at least pray for us? And then don't be surprised if uh, you know someone from this outreach, you know, as a result lives in this local area, comes back to you. Uh, so I think I think there's a lot that's that's good with the internet, and um, and it keeps keeps uh, you know connections short now. Uh, and so there's lots of there's no excuse for no follow up now, uh, regardless of the distance. Uh, and so I think it's a good way to, to keep track, get their information, you know, don't, don't, don't let them get away. If, you know, if they're open to this, if they're conversating with you, you know, they're going to be in touch. There's been, you know, there's been one time at 
abortion clinic, a, a guy did not want to give me his information, uh, but he took mine. He took mine. I mean, I, I saw him put it in his phone. Um, all I can hope is that he'll get, get in touch one day. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think that's important. Jamie, anything you want to add to the conversation, maybe something I didn't bring up or something on your mind that would be helpful for those wanting to get out there and do some evangelizing or even seasoned veterans? I would just stress the importance of a local church, uh, the importance of follow-up discipleship, the importance of uh, not being a nomad, a rogue, a guy on your own. Uh, you know, uh, be patient with your pastor if you're an open-air preacher. Uh, realize you have blind spots just like he does. Uh, you know, thank God for grace. Uh, and so just be patient. And, you know, it might work out in the long run where you're in a church where there's just no evangelism. You've been patient. You've tried to help the pastor. The pastor just completely opposed to any kind of biblical public evangelism. I and mean, you might have to find a new church. You might have to make a, a move. You might have to uh, find a new church in some way, but uh, it's never an excuse to not be a part of a local church. That's one of the troubling things for me, specifically in the open air community. You have this problem where pastors, you know, don't understand the evangelist, but the evangelist ends up responding negatively and not wanting anything to do with the local church. And uh, we need to fix that problem. One way that I'm hoping to see that problem fixed is uh uh, we're in the process at Christ is King of creating a pastoral training program for men who are open-air preachers and uh, and who m maybe desire to be a part of a church like that. And so we want to see those men even move here to Syracuse. They can move their families. Our deacon lives next door, has offered to open his home, uh, to let someone stay there for a while, go through the program with the goal of training up godly men who are committed to pu public evangelism and sending them out to plant solid reformed churches. So uh, that's, that's a way we're trying to fix that. So I would just stress that local church, follow up discipleship. Don't be a nomad. Yeah. All right, brothers, we do appreciate you guys coming on the program tonight. Uh, I hope this was very helpful. Um, giving you guys some, uh, encouragement, some ways to edify you and, and, uh, helpful insights to get out there and evangelize. We're all called to evangelize. The Bible tells us that faith, com faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of of Christ, but how will they hear if there's not one to preach? And we are ambassadors for Christ, so we need to go and be ministers of reconcili reconciliation, as the Bible says we already are. So let's get out there and evangelize at G220 Radio. That's something we've always uh, tried to stress, be very evangelistic. I know we cover a lot of different topics, but we definitely enjoy these ones where we bring that focus to why we, was, we exist to begin with, is to proclaim Christ and let others know and encourage them along the way. And so uh, until next time, that's been G220 Radio. Guys, I thank you again for coming on the program. I really appreciate it. God bless.